Good afternoon, fellow Gooners. Festive greetings from myself and Aiden. Hope you guys have had a fantastic Christmas. Uh, we in the next edition of the podcast, Canon Talk. I'm here this morning, my coach as usual, Aiden. Merry Christmas, all. Hope everybody had a good festive period. And yeah, Arsenal take on the West Ham side, who have been struggling a bit, but you know, London derbies are never easy. Yeah, I mean, look, all action back at the Emirates. Um, with also Arsenal Wenger in the team, it was quite a nice sight to see. Um, it was also like, you know, a long time coming because it was also a thing in process just to even get him at the stadium. Because if anybody had watched the Invincibles uh, documentary of him, he also said it was quite tough to get himself even, you know, back to the stadium, even though he said he got numerous invites by Edu and Arteta and even like, you know, the club board and that. So, you know, a person can actually also understand him, you know, processing everything through, you know, the way the things also ended at the, you know, in the latter part of his Arsenal career. I think there's a lot of nerves also coming into the game. I think Arsenal, I think, um, were probably the most, I wouldn't say the most disappointed, probably that there was a, a break, the World Cup break, because I think we were on a high and City, you know, uh, on that kind of a, a bumpy patch. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, just having that halt and coming back, I was a bit nervous because, I mean, we had an injury of Jesus. And if you think about it, that momentum just hit a complete halt. And it's almost like, you know, you're starting a brand new season yeah. in the middle of a season and trying to have to kind of hit the ground running again because you're on top of the Premier League and, you know, you kind of have to keep the momentum up. So there was a lot of nerves on my side, not having a suit and then also, you know, get you leading the line. And I mean, I think, look, look you know, I'm always sometimes, you know, very positive the way things are going uh, with the club and that. But I mean, I fully agree with you. I mean, for me, again, was um, there's almost like the seed of doubt that was being put in one's head also, like, I you know I always say I'm you know I put my hand up and I always say look ignore the media but I mean I think with with such a delay in between because there was some like 43 days before um, of uh, you know before our, uh, which was our last uh, Premier League fixture and it was like one does now start thinking you know all of a sudden this this weird thoughts start coming in one's mind and and even like yes as you said we said weren't like you know in the best of form but I think. It's almost like that sort of seed of doubt that gets planted in your head from, like, say, reading an odd article in that. And you were thinking, like, you know, are we going to have that sort of, same sort of intensity? Are we going to... Yeah. Uh, look, we already knew, as you said, uh, we knew that we already lost Jesus uh, quite like midway in the World Cup, which was, like, you know, a real shock. And um, everybody already knew the permutations of what things were and, and, and also how short we were up front. So, I mean, I think all that stuff started, yeah, you know, boiling over. And then, of course... You take also, you even get me a bit nervous when you went, like, you know, after the Juventus defeat, even though we were, like, you know, dominating, like, 80%, 90% of the match, and getting sucker punched by, you know, like, eventually losing with two own goals. And yeah. I was thinking, you know, I just hope it don't split in. But then afterwards, I was thinking, look, before uh, the, the season started, we lost to, to Brentford in, in a behind-closed-doors game. Before the Dubai, Dubai trip, we ended up losing the... Uh, I think to what was it, Watford 4 2. And then I think before uh, this fixture now, or like just after the Juventus defeat, we ended up playing a no no draw with, with Luton. And I thought, you know, is this now, uh, you know, is it not just a, a by the way sort of a result? Because you're not enough, you know, fire blanks, especially in our home game against Western. Exactly that. And, and I think, 
a lot of pressure on Arsenal in this game because they had to show their worth. I mean, you come and lose the game and, and it's same old, same old Arsenal, you know, can't handle the pressure. And, yeah. and, and and to be fair, also to come back from, you know, no football to playing, you know, a high octane game in a London derby against West Ham, it's, you know, you have to eat the ground running. You can't come there and feel the opposition out because it's not a pre-season game or it's not your first Premier League game back from the pre-season. So there's, it's like there's a lot at stake. I mean, if you look yep. at where you are in the season, you it's like I mean, it's a it's, it's a it's a tricky, it's a peculiar um, way to to restart the, your campaign because you know yes. in all my years of watching Premier League, I've never seen a break in the middle of a campaign and then <laughs> just you know have to restart from from where we left off. But I mean, it's actually missing the last let's say three years or so. Like what you know, excuse me. What you know mentioned was you know what's happened now. But then you think also that uh, that time with the COVID stuff coming in, yeah. And you had again like a, almost like a year and a half or a year of uh, behind closed doors uh, football matches. I mean, where they had to eventually, you know, put those like recording sounds of crowds just to get yeah. of atmosphere going. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy, and I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's almost like, you know, you don't know where this game is going to go, what Arsenal's going to turn yeah. up. But, I mean, you know, it seemed like Arsenal were ready there for, you know, ready to take on West Ham when the game kicked off. Yeah, because, I mean, look, Arsenal near full strength going into the match. Uh, I mean, I think Gabriel Jesus was really, you know, the real big name that, that was not out with uh, Eden Ketia. And, I mean, look, we all have had, I mean, whether year or far, I mean, everyone did have their doubts, you know, thinking, look, we're going to now depend on Eden Ketia now leading the front line. So, the, you know, the game kicks off. You can see uh, the sort of plan, uh, plan laid out by David Moyes with the Hammers, you know, sitting really deep and just waiting for, you know, the odd counters to come across. And then, I mean, for the minute, I mean, I thought I was going to be, you know, celebrating. Yeah, as well. <laughs> with Saka bearing the ball with a fantastic right foot shot, only to then realize after that great interchange with him and Ketia, he was actually slightly offside and the ball, I think, just flicked off his, his heel from the pass that, that led through the, to the build up of that goal. Yeah, I was hoping it would have gone through his legs, but you know, <laughs> positive signs from the gun is early on, and you're thinking, oh, we're leaving right where we left off. Then, I mean, you, you know, then from in that sort of point in the match. Also, did seem to be, you know, at times overplaying the ball. And I mean, I was just, it was like kind of bothering, <coughs> excuse me, bothering at some points because you could clearly see that, that West Ham were more focused on just parking the bus, not letting anything through, especially down the middle. I think we were more, more getting the freedoms down the left and the right flank. But I mean, you can see that it was quite congested to try to play yourself out of the middle. And I mean, I, I think it was, uh, I think the only way you could really get away with the way. We have said that we had to be, you know, damn dead, you know, accurate with your, your passing. Yeah, and I felt like even though, like, I thought we missed that Jesus where he's all over the place and he kind of draws players to him to open up pockets. And I felt yeah, yeah. initially was getting quite bullied on the on the field because he doesn't have that physical presence that, you know, as small as Jesus is, he has that physical presence in his game where... You know, Jesus, it feels like he can be, I'm not Jesus, and Ketia feels like he can be knocked off the ball quite easily. Yeah, I mean, you could see the game was also crying out for a sort of, uh, you know, fast, one-touch football. But I think our football at the time was, you know, it was, it was leading up to, to getting to the box, but then it started getting more pedestrian in and yeah. out of the box. No, I, I agree with that. I think that is what 
you know, has, has been so effective for us this season when we play that quicker type of one-two passes that, yep. that opens up defenses quite quickly. But the pedestrian game always, you know, doesn't work, especially against the West Ham side, who are yep. always going to park a bus against us. Yeah, because, I mean, look, you just play into the hands, the slower you, you know, the slower you play, the more they're just going to get themselves into that position just to, you know, stifle. And then, I mean, 27th minute reckless string of events leads to the next big incident in the match because Gabriel needlessly attacks a, a forward launch ball by West Ham. Yeah. Which party should have actually dealt with, but I mean, Gabriel ends up bursting. So, I mean, this is not the first time he's done something like this, but it takes like one little flick on by Antonio, and I mean, he ends up beating um, uh, was it Gabriel. And I mean, within the little interchange between um, uh, Antonio and um, was it what's the guy's name? Bowen. Bowen. That ends up freeing up Bowen to, you know, sprint through. You can see. This is, now, I think this will be the risk that Tito also took in this game with Saliba. I mean, look, I, I can't fault Saliba for being not chosen. I mean, he, at the end of the day, it's a coach that chooses. But this is where you can see where he did not get, you know, real match practice because yeah. at, at uh, number one, he, he seems to be, you know, co- off court on the back foot by the time he starts uh, taking off to catch up to Bowen. And by the time a tackle comes in, it's almost like somebody that also hasn't been actively playing enough football for like a month because... It was almost like so a lazy, clumsy lunge at the ball. And I mean, Bowen, you know, has a little bit of turn of speed. But I mean, I, yeah. you know, I couldn't have faulted the ref either. But I mean, it was a stone rule penalty. Yeah, it was a stone rule penalty. You know, I tried to still, after the VAR looked at it, you know, tried to say, you know, you know, was it outside the box? But at the end of the day, it was a silly foul. And you have to, you know, you can't be making challenges like this. At You know, if, if you want to push for, you know, a, a good top four race or even, you know, take it to Man City and, you know, kind of opening, uh, we had Martinez in goal for this penalty because, I mean, you know, he's been making a lot of saves. And I think Arsenal, you know, there's really times with penalties that we um, really save it. And um, for me, we've given too much away this season already. Yeah. I mean, Ben Rama ends up stepping up. And uh, I don't know, I think it's like these players, these days actually know how to, you know, get around beating Ramsdale because, I mean, he ends up just smashing it down the middle, same way Harry Kane did it. When we played North, uh, the North London derby, and I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it feels more like Ramsdale sells himself too early when he is yeah. standing ready for the penalty. So yeah, it doesn't make the the player make a decision. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I think you know after that goal, to be honest, I was a bit rattled. Yeah. You know, thinking you know like ah, you know we're coming back from this break. I knew this break was going to be a bad idea, and um, yeah. Jesus injured and and. You you kind of it, it just felt like for me like the chips were all falling down. I don't, I don't think we messaged each other even at halftime. Yeah. Normally we normally just have a touch base at halftime, but it was just like we went just quiet basically. And well, for me, like um, you know, still a long part of the game left, but you were also like asking yourself, you know, where the breakthrough was going to come because we never looked very threatening, like besides that offside goal. Yeah, because I mean, look between like Arsenal and then going from that point of going one 0 down to the second half, or sorry, to the to halftime. I mean, it was just huffing and puffing and nothing really going our way. Because yeah. even that with a, with a like, look, we I was also getting desperate at uh, that uh, <laughs> appeal at the end. Yeah, me also. And I was like willing that because I was trying to make <laughs> sense. I mean, like the more my son is telling me, 
Now uh, it looks like it's searched. I know for Jesus, and I'm going, yeah, but he might have evaded the book. <laughs> he might have. I, was, I mean, I was clearly clutching at straws, but I mean, you, you know, and you thought, I mean, the, the evidence was right there. And I thought, okay, you know, you had to give up the fight there. Then. Uh, how did you go feeling in half time? Because I felt like I, I, I was, I felt, you know, like with Catherine, but I felt like, you know, can we come back from this? Like, I still see to myself, you know, if, if we can come back from this, like, you know, maybe we, we, it will be taken a bit more seriously because, ah, but but to be honestly, I just felt like the, we, we didn't have that to, to to score, like, two goals to come back yeah. into the game. Look, I mean, I know already knew because, like, you know, at the half time, you know, I start mulling over things and, and, and incidents, and I'm thinking, is 1-1 maybe enough to get, you know, to, to kind of take it on the chin and like to make it look like a reasonable thing after, you know, not looking like our sharpers really in that first half. Because look, as much as position we had, we just weren't also sharp up front because things were like getting, you know, sort so, so of stop start football in the box. And I don't like when we go into the second half now, Arsenal looked more focused. I mean, you could actually see the tempo was now there. And I just thought to myself, like, you know, just to jump back to the first half, I, like, I think I was telling my son, I was actually wondering between the half-hour point and and like uh, the half-time. I was thinking, couldn't there be some sort of break or incident where Arteta could actually go talk to them and you know get them in a huddle? Because I think that's almost like what the team was needing at the point. Because uh, for me, it was like we're floundering, not really looking, you know, as as ruthless as we can be. And I think when that half-time break came in and 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 with Wilson scoring. You can actually see that half-time talk did a hell of a hell of good to the, the team and the camaraderie of the squad because they looked almost like had a, a bit more swagger to them when they came on the field. All of us because there was one point I think two or three minutes into even that second half where some Western players were like kind of you know, you know that odd that thing where they pull up their socks where they're getting a bit gas in it, but they trying to yeah. do it as if it's like just part of them pulling their socks up. But you can see they are starting to tire because of that constant chasing was. I think West Ham did a lot of running in that, that first half to to also press us out of that, that uh, our, our, um, when we were in the attack trying to sort of compress areas. So they did a hell of a lot of running at, in, in in groups of two and three. But I think now all of a sudden Arsenal started saying, look, they're going to have to start chasing the ball more. Arsenal was slinging it more quicker from, from left to right of the pitch and going from uh, back, you know, from defence to attack them. Yeah, and, and we were winning everything. Like, you know, every 50-50, we were, like, crashing into a winning, you know, getting onto every second ball. And you could see where Sam was starting to really, you know, like you said, tire and, like, you know, rather instead of going for 50-50, they would rather try to pull back and try to get bodies behind the ball. And I mean, this is something that, like, for, for you even to watch for, like, you know, in the course of watching the games in the season, and also, like, for some of our listeners, just watch when you see somebody like Thomas Party being able to walk the ball in midfield and nobody's really pressing. That's starting to give you already a sign that the, the midfield are let, being, you know, let high and dry by some of the, the players because the sort of cover that Declan Rice was trying to make, you know, to cover up for that Paqueta and, and then because, I mean, Paqueta at one time, you can see he's not somebody that's going to really like defending. He's good in no. holding the attacks, and the, but when he had to not come out, you know, roll up the sleeves and do the dirty work. He was not there. I don't know how many times I had to see Declan Rice. I mean, there was one point where Declan Rice was like hard gasping as the cameras like on him because you can see he was really struggling because I think uh, there were times where 
Moyes was even having a shouting match with, with Ben Rama because he was also not doing any tracking back. All of a sudden, Arsenal were just getting sort of freedom to run at him, and it was coming in waves and waves. And I mean, you could see that that build up to to or was culminating to something. It was now building. Yeah, no, and like you said, um, West Ham's midfielders let him down a bit. I think Arsenal were just get to going into strength and strength, and you know we were knocking on that door. And then 53rd minute, finally the breakthrough. Thomas Odegaard, Thomas Odegaard, Martin Odegaard cuts inside. He ends up. Uh, at first, I first thought he was like looking for a sort of Messi-like pass, but I mean, he really had a, a well, a welly with a shot. I mean, he ended up, you know, almost like scuffling well, the shot completely. And, and I mean, pulling over his own feet as yeah. well. <laughs> and the ball ends up just spilling into uh, Saka's feet. You know, keeps his keeps calm, keeps his composure. Drops Fabianski to his backside and just calmly places the ball past the keeper, one-one. Yeah, and I think that'd be lead for me. Just shot back immediately after that goal. You know, thinking, okay, we can make chances without, uh, you know, Jesus scoring that goal. I think it was just important getting that goal and bringing things level. And you could see that stadium just, you know, exploded into into life. And we were, you know, onto the backs of West Ham. And Arsenal, were, you know, just needed that to kick them into second gear. You know what? That did make me laugh. I mean, over like the last like few hours, and I've also watched you know different commentators talk about this very moment. And I don't know how many of them were saying, "What is Kufal doing?" Because they said like he wasn't like so fearful to push up, like you know to play on like soccer offside. He wasn't like because I think the, there were three of the defenders that were playing an offside line, and yeah. he was this one back, so he's the one actually playing. If, like you know, any Arsenal players that were you know behind the likes of of, of Dawson and them who are going to be onside, and he kind of Saka so coolly slotted it away because he's been guilty of sometimes a strike. I mean, when he's one on one on goal and he has too much time on his hands, he kind of bottles the shot. But he kind of was very composed the way he just slotted it coolly past Fabianski, who actually gave him a lot of the goal to aim at actually, and yeah. you know. Good, good on him, you know, another goal for the season and making it, like you said, 1-1. Yeah. Then, five minutes later, Arsenal pressing on, and I mean, you can see the West Ham was seriously buckling now. And I mean, a, a fantastic ball spread out wide to Martinelli, and I mean, he ends up kicking himself into the box, sidestepping again, Kufal, and um, he ends up just smashing the ball past Fabianski at his near post, 2-1 Arsenal. Didn't expect him to go with his left foot and near post. And I think it was a good finish. And, you know, it's a 2 1 to Arsenal. And I think, you know, one of the commentators said, you know, that's why they, you know, they, they're top of the league at the moment. I think it was like when I watched the, the, just the highlights again of the Arsenal, Arsenal TV commentary, I think they kind of said, you know, that's why these guys are top of the league. I mean, 1 0 down and scoring two goals in. In a matter of what, five minutes, I think, also gave me a bit of goosebumps as well. You know, I mean, Arsenal of of last season never really came back and and did anything in losing positions when they went down. But you know, to go two one up after being one down, you know, showed a lot of fight in the team. And then I mean, you know, the, the, almost like the roof got blown off the right? Emirates. I mean, on the 69th minute when. A fantastic ball played through by Arsenal. I mean, even the build-up, I mean, from Ben White, flicking the ball over a <laughs> sliding defender, or a sliding attacker, sorry, Western, playing the ball in. And I mean, a, a bit of intricate football by Arsenal. 
Odegaard ends up playing in Nketiah, ends up spinning uh, Kera and blasting the shot past uh, Fabianski. And I mean, fantastic goal to go 3-1 up. Yeah, it was a very good surprise, uh, pleasant surprise in Ketia because up until then, you know, I was you know, getting annoyed by him. At the time, I think in the first half where we had a counter and he kind of, you know, caught in two minds between shooting or passing and kicked it straight into the defender. So, you know, for a large portion and then, you know, that actually you know settled the nerves. It was a very good goal and... For me as well, like, you know, just going off topic of the goal, I think Ben White had a very good game down there doing as well. He's like yeah. slowly becoming a, I don't know, a really, very reliable right back actually, which is quite surprising. And I mean, he's also at that variety that he has when he does the overlap runs. Like, yeah. He knows when to play it as a flat 45. He knows when to add a bit of loop to it. I mean, there was one who even, uh, uh, you know, whipped that ball into the far post. And I think, one of our guys didn't really anticipate the sort of flight and, and speed the ball was coming, so they didn't really, you know, time the jump right to get it. But, I mean, as you said, fantastic play by him on the right. Uh, and it's an interesting fact here with Eddie and Ketia. He has scored now 11 goals in his last 11 starts in all competitions at the Emirates. So, it seems like he's uh, quite happy scoring at home. Yeah, so, I mean, Arsenal end up seeing the game off. Three, three, like, you know, three big points for Arsenal. I mean... Seven clear of now second place, uh, Newcastle with a game in hand on them, and eight points clear now of uh, Man City. Yeah, that's over to Man City now. To you know, they're playing, I think, is are they playing at Allen Road or are they playing at um, the Etihad? They're playing at Allen Road on uh, oh, you, you never know what could happen there. I mean, I mean, obviously, we're not gonna say that uh, City are gonna drop points, but I mean, anything. Yeah. That that he's dropped is golden now for us, and I think even if it's you know two points dropped, we'll yeah. we'll take it. Yeah. So we'll move our attention now to the New Year's Eve clash at uh, the MX Stadium, uh, Brighton versus Arsenal. Uh, Brighton, you know, next up for for Arsenal, and I mean for me, uh, Brighton, a team even post uh, Graham Potter, they are almost like one of the dangerous teams that I've you know seen down the years. And I mean, look, we've been watching football now for. I mean, decades now, and I mean, when I see when I see the Brighton squad, they always like a thorn in the side to anybody they play. I mean, they, they like for them, it's like all reputations go out of the window when you play them. And I mean, I mean, for me, it's actually a joy to watch it because, and it's not like a, you know, kick and rush type of football. They will outplay you on that pitch, you know, as a team. And I mean, I told you one of the guys has always been catching my eyes, Solly March the way. I mean, I think you saw the wonder goal he scored yesterday. No, no, I didn't. I, I didn't actually see his goal he scored yesterday. You don't just have a look at it. It's a cracker, you know, in Gary Bailey's words. It's a cracker of a goal. Yeah, I'm actually fear Brighton because I've had many bad experiences against Brighton, and I don't think we we really get the upper hand of them away from home. I mean, I can't yeah, think yeah. of a game where I mean, maybe you can jog my memory, but I can't think of a game where we really, you know, beaten Brighton comfortably at their home ground. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with you because it's always a, a it's always a hard job. That I mean, I just hope this sort of side, you know, sort of form and morale that, that's that's going through the team right now of ours, that we can you know take the game to them and then the same way we did to to Brentford, where everybody were fearing Brentford after they put four past United. So I just hope it's something like that where we can you know almost like put that sort of game to bed early as well because I think. Teams all are kind of toy too much with Brighton and then they, you know, kind of get kicked in the under the backside. 
Whereas I think Arsenal right now, I think they they know the sort of threat of the team because I think when they ask Arteta also like um, his mindset now, like when do they start thinking of of Brighton and he said it's like you know when he already knows the points are settled for us, then his mindset starts drifting already to that uh, fixture. Um, but probably get, like there's not probably much changes you can make against Brighton if you look at the starting level. You know maybe Zinchenko comes on for. Well, in for Tierney, I don't know. I think Tierney yeah. didn't do too badly on on yesterday. Um, but like, I mean, in Ketia probably starts again. I mean, you know, what what else of option do they have there? Unless you bring in Reese Nelson no, and push no, no. Martinelli up top. Reese Nelson's gonna be out a while, mate. He's gonna be. Out oh, it, oh so yeah, we don't have much options then again. No, I mean, I think there will be certain things or aspects of our game that we can adjust in it to the game. But I just think right now, I mean, look, we are kind of flying high at the moment. But, I mean, we can, you know, I wouldn't like to take chances. This is not a game you really want to take chances of. Because, I mean, if you look at the sort of squad they even put out in that, when they put us out of the, the Carabao Cup. Yeah. It's not like really fant- and, I mean, even their football at the time wasn't really fantastic, but they also knew how to, you know, Put a you know put a gold sparse us and I mean for them at the moment yes they're flying high in seventh and I mean like the, the key players probably will be there also you know McAllister Trossard and uh, Sacedo I mean they are the linchpins of that old squad and I think everything pivots also just around the sort of play if you allow them to play they're gonna cause damage and I mean then you still throw uh, you know my nemesis also that I talk about that Charlie March throw him in the mix they they're gonna be a handful but I mean. I, Again, it's a sort of test that, that we need. I mean, even that, that of yesterday now, that was a decent test for us because how are we going to, as you said, I think at the start of the podcast, we said, how will we react if we, you know, go say a goal down? And I mean, they kind of answered, even I'm sure the critics also made the same sort of remarks. Yo, I, I'm looking at this, like since um, the 5th of May 2019, Arsenal seemed to have only beat... Um, Brighton twi- twice in in oh yeah, twice yeah twice in this time we beat them 1-0 the 29th of December 2020 and then 23rd of May 2021 other than that it's just been draws or wins to Brighton so you know it's not been uh, the best of fixtures for us so I think you know as we say we're taking it one game at a time as a cricketer who, who tries to score his 50 you know doing the 10 rounds at a time so you know, it's it's, it's on to Brighton now, a team that we need to to kind of overcome our fear, I would say, and maybe settle the nerves very early on because you don't want to take that game into the 60, 70th minute and it's nil-nil or leading one-nil. But I mean, I think for me, it also has a more um, calm effect that we now do things like that. I mean, when you now see, like, look, we said start of the season already, when, when things started, looking, you know, brighter for us, the way we were playing, the results we were getting. And I still think that is the way we go. Where we, like you can see, you can hear even Ateta also said, everything is game by game. Even post-match, Nketiah said also game by game. Uh, Martinelli also said game by game. And that is the sort of mindset we must have because the minute you start going too far down the line and look, you get some of these pundits that want to say, oh yeah, this is January. This is the sort of points. Look at how it, it fell flat for... United last season with Gary Neville and Rio Ferdinand were doing uh, this call-outs from, like, during the course of a month. And I think United ended up with, like, three losses on the bounce and then <laughs> one, one, drew one. And then it's, I, I thought to myself, I look there now, they now look too far in advance and then it's almost like you get 
like sucker punch or the sort of fixtures. Oh, but I know the results that you go. Yeah, I know. It's just, like you said, game by game, just rack up the points. And, you know, hopefully, and just fingers crossed, you know, City can can have a, a hiccup here and there yeah. because City seems like that, you know, the big games they've been showing up and, I mean, they they, they, they tossed aside, um, what is that? It was uh, United when they played against them. But, I mean, they do have Chelsea at the bridge after or, or soon, shortly after they play... Uh, um, was it man of the leads? I think it is. Yeah, because I mean, so, at the moment, I just think Man City are side. Yeah, look, they they are ruthless in the top front. But I mean, I still think it's a, a, it's a, a better challenge for us to or whoever faces them to face a central pairing of Ake and Akanji. Then you know, if you have uh, Ruben Diaz, who's still going to be going to be at another three weeks for for uh, Man City, and I mean. Uh, John Stones also has flaws to his game. So, I mean, I just base it more on that. I mean, of course, yes, I'm just focusing on our games. But I just think myself, the odd little chinks to to Man, to Man City as well. And I mean, look, the way Brentford showed, if you starve uh, Haaland of the ball, you can also have, you know, have him vulnerable. No, that's a very important factor, I think, starving Haaland of the ball. So, I see how it's, it's Leeds United, Everton and Chelsea. You know, we we play. Uh, we got our job done against West Ham, and then we, you know we 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 take on Brighton and Newcastle. So it's it's going to be this the set of three games is going to be quite important. Yeah. And I think you know if if you can come out almost like a positive or a positive on City, you know, where there's plus two points, plus three points in that three fixtures, or even you know. Um, on par, you know, you match their results, and you know that that's it'll be another positive um, going into the new year and having the FA Cup, you know, yeah. happening, and then and throwing into the fact that they have to play a Carabao Cup fixture before the Manchester derby. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I was just thinking. Now look, we we got now this sort of blip, you know, the little block of fixtures, and I'm just thinking to myself, look, if, if now the January window opening. Like you know, coming soon the winter window. There's also now look. This is also going to lead us now into the the talking point section of the podcast because look at Mudrik, Shakhtar Donetsk, and I already said they are now like that that first offer. It's still not really what they want, but uh, they're now sitting now together with Arsenal to to iron out the deal. And I mean, Mudrik has now shown his his real interest. I mean, even on on Instagram, he's you know he he posted a video yesterday of him. Watching that goal of Nketiah and that because he was streaming the game on his tablet, and I just think to myself, this is now sort of. I mean, if we sign him, this is probably going to take the, also the club to a sort of another level because, especially if, if any of the Gunners can remember what the sort of uh, uh, almost like, uh, atmosphere the signing of Jose Antonio Reyes did when when he came when he joined the club, and it's almost like that. That was the sort of burst that we needed. To push us eventually over the line, which it did, and I, th- I just think to myself, uh, like the Madrid signing is gonna not only—I mean, look, nothing is now written in stone yet, but uh, I mean, the sort of impact is gonna have. I mean, it's gonna even allow people like uh, Martinelli to be used in a more maybe uh, in a central attack, uh, like a striking role, or Madrid can also be slotted in a position where he can play as a uh, advanced number ten. If we're still waiting on on the sort of. Uh, Smith Road to come back from his injury. 
No, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a very good signing, and I think it's the type of signing we need. You know, I think um, it would have been it would a tricky kind of thing of what type of player Arsenal signed because you don't want a player with too big an ego who comes in there and kind of you know makes the dressing room you know a toxic environment. But you wanted somebody that is young, has the talent, and can be molded to playing a certain way and have a certain attitude. And I think. This is what Mudrik will, will, will bring to us, um, you know, once he, if, if he joins the team. And I think he, he can add a lot to us to, you know, push us on to the, the next, you know, the next tier to, to enter the Champions League spot, the top four side, you know. And I think um, he will allow there to be a bit more competition along uh, amongst the front three. And it will actually allow players to, you know, even be rested and, you know, they'll be things that can be done, like, you know, you can chop and change. So I think it gives us options, which is important in you, you know, when you're competing on so many fronts. And I mean, I don't know where this rumour started also with us, uh, you know, linking us with, with Zhao Felix. I, I really think something like that would imbalance the side because he's not really firing on all cylinders. I mean, he's, uh, you know, uh, struggling in the league, um, in, in La Liga, because there's like 12 matches, he's played three goals and three assists he's had. So not really contributing to the cause. He's a type of player, United will pay 350k for a week and, you know, he's you he, he will just get knocked off the ball all the time. Yeah, because I think, uh, I mean, I've never been impressed with him, like whether he, when he was in, in, in Portugal, when he's moved to Spain and whatever, and then and now, also on the international stage, he offers absolutely nothing really. It's almost like, you wonder where this hype started, almost like same with Morata, when you watch Morata play. <laughs> for me, that is when I, when I watch Felix play. That's all I see. But the, the irony with Murata, no matter, you know, like you sometimes wonder, like, you know, he misses these one-on-one opportunities in key games and you like, you know, he, he he fluffs his team charges to win, but like, in like three games time, he just decides he's going to score a hat-trick against like uh, AC Milan in the CDR or whatever. But he just chops and changes so many clubs as well, Atletico Madrid, and then he's at this club and that club. I mean, I, I, I don't know the fuss of Murata as well, actually. Yeah. Um, so, my last point before we end off the podcast, um, with the, you know, the players returning from the World Cup, and have you been, did you expect that sort of fast turnaround, or did you see almost like a gradual way to get on the, you know, almost like those, the, the premiership bike run again? No, I didn't think it was going to be like, you know, I, I felt that there could be a stutter against West Ham. I didn't expect us to. It was like we picked up where we left off type of thing. Like, Arteta must have drilled the guys, you know, because my thinking is, like, to have such a long break, like you said, it was 42, 43 days, you said something like that, eh? Yeah. And to to come from that into, you know, a season, into the middle of things where, you know, you normally, after a long break like that, a team either, like, continues with a left off or they slump. I mean, that's why you see teams, they might have, like, a... a win the Premier League the one season or they, like, you know, had an excellent season and then they come out the next season, like, with a tail between their legs and, like, lose two, draw one, win one, and then they only find their feet. So, it just seemed like they just picked up with their left off. Performance-wise, it was good. It seemed positive, even though we lost Jesus. So, yeah, yeah hopefully we can keep on that upward trajectory. But, I mean, I was also thinking, Aiden, um, you know, with the results sort of you know, the form, because if you also remember when we do the podcast uh, post-international uh, break, 
where you and I would always say it's almost like you're watching eleven strangers on the field, and yes, time it looks like everything, almost like you know the cars being almost like idling, 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 and yeah. ready to go again now. And that's I, I mean, I, as you said, now I didn't expect that sort of turnaround because you could see that that, that swagger, like as the game progressed. I mean, from that that first start, like in the first half to you know all of the second half, that swagger seemed like it was back again. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see it came back so quickly because it shows that, you know, we'll just hopefully carry on this to the next one. But like you said, Brighton as well, you know, did come back quite with a bang as well. So going to be a tough game. And I think if we can carry on the momentum, you know, who knows, three points again. Yeah. Okay, guys, hope you guys enjoy your festive season still as it prolongs until New Year's. Uh, take care, stay safe. Bye. Have a good one, guys, and yeah, let's take the three points. Mm-hmm.